The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and get started today. Roster brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join SGP and group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday evening, currently 8.13 on the East Coast, here to talk some more NBA Finals, as well as some other news that's been uh, going around in the NBA. I know we haven't touched on the Quinn Snyder resignation from the Utah Jazz and the hiring of Darvin Ham uh, of the LA Lakers as their newest head coach out there on uh, in Hollywood. That is going to be interesting, but we'll get into that. And joining me here to break you down as usual for the Tuesday pods, my main man on the East Coast, it's Zach Broner. Zach, how you feeling, my man? Feeling good, bro. Good to be back on the show. Yep. Good to see you. And um, yeah, great series so far. Um, you know, last night's game got away from us a little bit, but, you know, tie game at halftime, I think. Um, and just kind of showed, I mean, this series, it's, I'm glad it's 1-1. I think it feels like a 1-1 series. I think total spread is about seven points between the two teams um, so far. Um, and going back to Boston now feels like it's going to be a long series. So excited for that. And lots of news also piling up on the side, you know, free agency, potential player movement, and some coaching hires for in the Western Conference. Yeah, man, uh, I feel like as soon as the NBA finals are going to be over, we're going to have uh, the NBA draft and then free agency will be here. And before we know it, it's going to be the season again uh, for the NBA. So, you know, there's all, we can say that NBA does have an off season, but it really doesn't because there's always something to talk about in the NBA. But yeah, like Zach mentioned, we'll touch on the uh, Quinn Snyder and the uh, Darvin Ham hiring uh, the new two uh, coaching uh, news happening in the NBA, but Zach, let's start with the NBA finals here. Come to get your thoughts. Like you mentioned, it's, it's been a, um, I guess the final score hasn't been uh, really reflective, I guess, of what I think. And I think it's been two evenly matched teams coming into the NBA finals and in games one and two, but game one, we saw Boston come out. They played well. The story so far for me has been those third quarters by the Golden State Warriors, and that's really been a good betting trend for the last, I don't know how long, since Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Steve Kerr and Draymond Green have been together. But uh, overall, if you want to game get game-specific, I'll, I'll leave it to you. But what kind of have been your takeaway so far uh, in the NBA Finals through two games here? Yeah, I think probably my, my biggest takeaway just overall is that Steph Curry looks like he's – by far the best player in this series. And I think we came into the series, you know, talking about the Warriors as this team and how well they play together and all that. But, you know, in game one where they lost, it really looked like there was so much on Steph's shoulders, like especially in that late in that game, you know, the lack of space on the floor with, with Draymond Green and, and Iguodala playing together. It, look, it looked like it was like all on Steph and he was going to have to be that kind of hero ball, which is not what we're used to seeing from the Warriors as they lost um, game one. And then kind of the flip side in game two, it's just how much he can unlock things for them offensively. 
wasn't even that great of an offensive performance, and he had, you know, 29 points, so obviously a great game, but nothing crazy. But mm. we, I think he just kind of opened things up a little bit. We saw all the attention that Boston was playing, uh, paying him, paid off, you know, got some open threes for other guys. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I thought Golden State kind of – they're going to go as far as Steph Curry takes him in this series. And right now it looks like he can take them all the way. And then I think for Boston, we saw game one – um, to me, that the, obviously the, well, you can't miss. I mean, how good those guys were in the second half, shooting the basketball off of you know Jason Tatum creating with 13 assists in Game One. You look at Game Two, Al Horford got up zero three point attempts. Um, you know, Marcus Smart only got up three threes, and instead it was you know Brown and Tatum who were carrying that three point shooting load. Now Jason Tatum hit them, but Golden State did a much better job locking in defensively. Um, you know, cutting down on the the amount of uh, breakdowns that led to open threes for Boston, they kind of stayed more solid, less gimmicky, and they were okay with with Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, those guys holding up against Jason Tatum, and you know he made tough shots over them, a couple like step back threes and and the like, but overall they didn't let them they didn't let themselves open up uh, to a kind of barrage of threes from the other guys. So I thought that. It's kind of a, a a zigzag series so far, which it looks like. And mm-hmm. neither – I think what's interesting about this series and what was kind of scary for Golden State coming out of game one is that it seems like every game is just kind of like a 50-50 game in its own, right? Like it doesn't – home court, of course, it matters, but I don't see any reason why Golden – if you like Golden State in this series, I think you, you, you like them going into Boston to take a game. And I felt like game two was truly a toss-up. Like I, I didn't – necessarily think it was a smash spot for golden state i was i was on the first quarter with you guys that didn't hit and yep. they kind of will outwilled them in the, that in our, in our third quarter but to me every game feels like a toss-up so you know boston did steal game one but i don't think you can rest on the fact that you're gonna you know get your two at home and come back for game three one game five like i think game three golden state's live game four golden state's live so we, we will see i think the extra rest we were talking about that before we came online um you know who does that is, is Robert Williams going to be able to get right with, with these two nights off? I know you were yeah. mentioning that in the feed with the uh, sports game the, with Sean and Ryan. Like, mm-hmm. is you know, Iguadala, what's he looking like? Gary Payton was a huge ad for Golden State, um, in game two. So, lots of variables. I kind of just went off on a tangent there, but uh, any, anything there that caught your eye you want to respond to? I think, like, in games one and in, in, in game two in the first half, it's really been the flip script for like or the 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 script flip for both of these teams right like game 1 we saw Steph Curry just come out on fire but the way that it felt like the Golden State Warriors were playing in game 1 in that first half particularly that they should have been the ones that were been up at the halftime but hey Boston they weathered the storm early with Steph Curry and they played well in the second quarter and they got the lead at halftime in game 1 game 2 Jason or sorry Jalen Brown came out and played well you know, he got up what I think 13 points in that first quarter. Um, but you know, Golden State kept it close in that first quarter. Um, second quarter, you know, they played well to the Warriors, and then they took the lead into half. I think they were either tied or they were up by one um at the half, uh, or the Golden State Warriors. But so far, it's really been that second half, uh, Zach, where we've kind of seen, hey, especially that third quarter where the Warriors have been that third quarter team in both of the games so far. And they outscored them. I think it was by 17 plus in game three, sorry, in game one, game two, they outscored them by 21 points. Um, And then in game one in, in that fourth quarter, if they're not hitting those three point shots, we may be looking at 
a 2-0 lead right now for the Golden State Warriors. But give credit for to the uh, Boston Celtics because the narrative really was coming into the NBA Finals that if the Boston Celtics have a lead in that fourth quarter or when it gets a crunch time and clutch time for the Boston Celtics, they're not a team that can really, you know, close it out and get, you know, the best out of their players down the stretch from Marcus Smart or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. But again, like you mentioned in game one, Al Horford and Derek White were those guys to really create that separation in game one, give that one Oh lead. But I honestly thought game two really played out the way I, 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 I anticipated. I thought that Golden State would come out and play a lot better in that first quarter. That's why I locked up the minus one and a half, fell short by half a point. But there were so many opportunities there in that first quarter in game two where they had so many missed layups, Zach. Um, and the, you know, Steph Curry missed a free throw. He missed that wide open three. That kind of what I got us that victory for that first quarter. But it is what it is. But defensively, the game plan that Golden State had in game two is exactly what I thought. I thought they would be more aggressive. Um, they had great rim protection. They were getting their hands on the ball, deflections, getting those steals. And, you know, defensively, we knew that they were going to be better. Um, but again, like you said, I think that we've, we've seen a good, evenly matched um, game one and game two. But I do still think that, and I said this with Sean and Ryan on earlier this uh, evening, so I still feel like that we haven't seen a complete offensive effort or a game by the Golden State Warriors. And I think a lot of that for me is is predicated on Clay Thompson because he hasn't been that good in games one and game yeah. two. Yeah. No, uh, uh, thoughts on Clay, Clay Thompson there, Zach? Yeah, I'm really struggling, obviously, uh, you know, even to the point where Steve Kerr left him in in garbage time last night to try to find something. Mm-hmm. Um, four of 19. I think there's kind of two ways you can look at that, right? Like, I I look at that from, like, a player power spectrum from game three. Like, okay, Clay's getting his shots up. So, like, if you think he can have a good game, like, he's 19 field goal attempts, you would think he would go over any type of point total uh, player prop. Yeah. that's set in the high teens or low 20s or whatever it would be. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't really have it. Uh, so in that, that, that go back to how I you know started off, is that like it seems like for Golden State, it's kind of Steph and then Draymond's kind of doing his thing, but Wiggins and Clay Thompson haven't really been like what, the, what we saw from them throughout the Western Conference playoffs, their journey to get here. Jordan Poole at, at the same time, like, like he had that those big moments last night in the third quarter, but he has has not played well in the series. Like he basically got benched, uh, you know, yesterday. Yeah. Came in like in the third quarter, way later than usual, and mm-hmm. ended up you know making the most of it. Uh, but he only played twenty three minutes. So, to me, for the Warriors, I think you have like Steph and Draymond, obviously, um, and then. A guy like Gary Payton is someone I trust a lot. I, I still trust Wiggins, Looney, but yeah, Clay is going to have to be better. And then you flip that to the other side. I mean, I think for Boston, they're a team that we kind of thought would be more top-heavy offensively with Tatum and Brown. Yep. Um, and the story of the game one and game two was the when their supporting gas plays well, even with Jason Tatum struggling to score, that created an offensive outburst for them. Um, but then in game two, when it was more Tatum heavy, less of the other guys getting in the mix, uh, they struggled. Only put up 88 points in that game um, and got held to 14 points in that third quarter when they got really bogged down. I think, to me, like the story, you look at game one, Al Horford gets up eight threes, four twos, Marcus Smart, seven threes, four twos, and, and Derek White, eight threes and only three twos. And then in game two, you have Derek White taking nine twos. 
Um, like, and you know, Al Horford takes four shots, all of them twos, doesn't get up a three. Marcus Smart, three twos and three threes. So you saw in game two, the creation onus was kind of spread more across, and these guys weren't able to spot up around Tatum and Brown creating. Tatum hits six of nine threes. If he if he has a two of nine three-point shooting game, I mean, this is a 19-point win that looks even worse for Boston. Yeah. So I think – I don't know how you adjust to that necessarily because I do think that Golden State is going to do a good job of saying, okay, if, if you if – you, Tatum and Brown, if you guys are going to be heroically heroic individual scorers, like we're going to tip our cap. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to stay solid against them. So I, I do think for game three, I look at it as probably more of the same approach for Boston offensively. Like I think this – to me, it looks like maybe game three would be like the Tatum 40-point game if, if, if you think that one of those is going to come in this series just because he gets to the 19 shots in game two, guys are staying home, um, only three assists in game two compared to 13 assists in game one. Mm-hmm. That is the adjustment that Golden State made. Like, that's the perfect stat to illustrate the adjustment from Golden State. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe Jason Tatum is a guy I would target for uh, a huge game in game three. Um, but great series so far, and, you know, I think – it seems like it's likely to go deep as into six or seven games. Yeah, and I think that you hit the nail on the head that that it, this this offense for the Boston Celtics has to be top heavy, right? It has to be led by Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, and those two guys they have to be consistent in their scoring and their and their shooting percentages for this team to win games and in in hopefully in their case, win an NBA title, right? And again, in games one and two, we talked about one guy has been good, the other guy has not been good, and it's been vice versa for them. So they need to kind of find that consistency because you can't rely on your role players every single night. You'll have a guy that steps up. You know, we saw in game one, it was Al Horford and Derek White, but game two, nobody really stepped up. You mentioned the numbers for Derek White. You mentioned the numbers for Al Horford. That's when the game where, you know, Jalen Brown got off to that hot start, but he had to, he, he kind of fell off for the rest of the game. So, it has to be for those two guys. One question I did want to ask you about the Boston Celtics side is I, I don't think that Robert Williams is going to be more than 60 to 70% for the rest of the series. We saw him take another hit last night in, in some friendly fire. Not sure if it's the same me that, that he's been, that's ailing him throughout these, throughout the season and in the postseason in particular, but last game in game two, he only played 14 minutes how do you think this kind of really affects Boston? Because I feel like, at least spread-wise, it's not really being accounted for because he brings a, a very specific skill set, especially on the defensive side, where he can be that rim protection. If not, we saw it last night where Golden State outscored the uh, Boston Celtics, I think, 40-24 to 24 inside the paint. So if he's not going to be out there, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Boston to win this series. But what are your thoughts on Robert Williams and his, his injury as we kind of progress here? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a huge injury, and like you said, the the points in the paint story um, tells a tale. Uh, Golden State outscores them by 16 in Game Two when Rob Will didn't play much and was you know banged up when he did, and then Boston outscored him by eight in the paint, including four blocks from Robert Williams, and he was kind of just like terrorizing around the rim. So it does make it easier for Golden State, you know, to kind of get at the rim. Um, you know, with Steph kind of putting the ball on the floor more and being more of a creator, it allows some of those dunks and layups that they got in game two um, that weren't there in game one or that were at least, uh, you know, severely affected in game one uh, by Robert Williams. I think, you know, if he's not in there, um, I still like their ability to go to go kind of spread small with Horford at the five. Like, that's a look that they've already been kind of leaning towards to close games, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, but it's another option that you can't throw out there, so it hurts. And it would be nice if, 
This was more of a Grant Williams series. He's been struggling to start this series, you know, minus 13 and 21 minutes last night. Um, hasn't really found his footing in either game. You know, it's not, I guess, Derek White with how well he played in game one. And I think he does look really reliable in this series, just kind of his skill set against Golden State's guards. Um, it seems like he's going to play like 30 minutes. So he's kind of in there. He's locked into their closing five along with Smart, Brown, and Tatum. So mm-hmm. there is really only that one spot. Uh, I think, you know, for, for closing the game. But yeah, to have Rob Will, his rim protection, pardon me, out there for the rest of the game, that would be huge. Um, and and we'll see. I mean, it, it definitely does, you know, I think it will help make things a bit easier for Tatum and Brown offensively to have that floor space with Horford at least being that shooting threat. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the defensive end, it would be nice to have that rim protection. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, does, it seems he's going to play, right? It's just that he's on a minute's limit. Yeah, so what I saw before game two uh, last night was Ime Yudoka came out and said uh, that he was only going to play around 20 to 25 minutes uh, with the limitations because of the knee. And, you know, last night he only ended up playing 14. I think game one he was probably closer to that 25 mark, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it's it's definitely something to monitor, uh, Zach, because I feel like, you know, the betting lines and, and you know, how the game flow is kind of going to go. It doesn't really favor the Boston Celtics uh, going forward. It, he's only going to be playing around 15 and 17 minutes a night. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, you know, ho- hopefully he can go. Maybe, maybe Grant Williams, guys like him, maybe Tice play a little bit better at home. Yeah. Uh, Pritchard hits some threes. Like they have, they have options. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do, do you think the Neesmith, uh, the Neesmith was anything? I mean, I know people were talking about him. He had some good energy, but he really only yeah. played like in that once that game was already over. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, what you talked about earlier, going to that small lineup with Horford out of the five and putting Grant Williams out there to kind of give you that shooting thread on the, in those corner, you know, uh, corner shots, you know, kind of PJ Tucker esque, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's what they're probably going to have to do. And I think I said this this morning on the uh, NBA gambling pod is that I feel like Boston in, in those first quarters in games one and two really came out and played with pace and that they were able to get up the points. I think they need to get back to that, um, you know, because this half court defense of what the Golden State Warriors were able to do in game two. Um, it's not working in the favor, right? I think when they're playing with pace and, and you know, getting shots up on, on on in transition or getting to the basket and getting to the free throw, I think that's what really been working for them, uh, at least in that first quarter and the second quarter. And they kind of gotten away from that in, uh, you know, the second half or at least in game two. So I, that's what I'm kind of going to look out for in game three is that if they come out and play with a little bit more pace, if that continues uh, throughout the pl- or throughout the game uh, when it really matters, especially in that third quarter for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, and and you know, what will help with that also is like not feeling like you need to slow the game down because you're turning the ball over 18 times and yeah. the Warriors have 15 steals. So I think Boston could do a little bit better job of controlling tempo by not turning over themselves, um, you know, getting into the flow of the game and then push when you have the opportunity. Um, I don't know. I, I think one thing like we haven't seen in this series yet is like, where is remember coming in, coming into this series? Like how is J, how is Steph Curry going to, and Jaden and Jordan Poole going to hold up on a switch against Jason Tatum? Like, this elite wing scorer. Like we haven't seen that yet in this series where it's like make Steph Curry and, and Jordan Poole pay for being how small they are. Like, yeah, I, I see clips running of George, of Steph Curry, people saying he's like an elite defender, like on Twitter because he, you know, had a couple steals and stuff like that. Like where is like the, where are the possessions where Jason Tatum gets Steph Curry on a switch and it's like, it's over. Like we would see from like a Kawhi Leonard or a LeBron James. Like we haven't seen that yet in the series. And I think that's an unlocked, that's, that's a place for Boston to unlock some more offense and unstoppable offense is like 
get Steph Curry on Tatum, get Poole on Tatum, and like don't be denied. Like if you're a top ten player, a big wing, you know you got to take those opportunities uh, against a defender of, of of either of their quality. Yeah, and I think that. I think when Gary Payton came into the game yesterday, they tried to put him on Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum was just hitting those three point shots. I don't know yeah. if it was in the first quarter or the second quarter, but I think that, you know, being 6'10 and being just being able to get over or getting shots over the, some of the smaller defenders, I think that's that worked for them in game two. But I really want to see him and Jalen Brown get to the basket more. But yeah, yeah, you're right. They really need to do expose Steph Curry on the defensive side, even Jordan Poole. But uh, I think they're doing a great job of, with Andrew Wiggins and, and you know, putting Gary Payton the second on, on those guys and trying to make things difficult for them. But, you know, they've done a great, especially in game two, I think we're, People are sometimes when I when I'm listening to other podcasts, like people are surprised about this Golden State Word defense. I mean, no, they were one of the oh, best yeah. defensive teams throughout the entire regular season. That really carried over for them in the postseason as well. So we got to give both of the team, you know, credit for you know how well they played defensively. I know Golden State has scored hundred think 107 plus points in each of the two games so far, but this offense is fully capable of putting coming out there and putting up 110 plus 110 plus points a night. But again, those X's and O's matchup is really going to be fun to watch uh, as this kind of series kind of progresses and having game three on Wednesday night. Um, Zach, anything else, uh, any other takeaways or anything else you want to uh, talk about uh, for the NBA finals so far? Uh, I guess for, so for Golden State for MVP talk, obviously Steph Curry yeah. for Golden State at this point. For Boston, you know where are we trending if if this series continues to go? Is it I I guess it's Tatum. I don't. I mean he had twenty eight in games. Is it Hor- like Horford had a bad game in game two? Jalen Brown's been like pretty good in both. Yeah, I I would lean towards Jalen Brown because I th- I think that you know for Jason Tatum. If he comes out and gets a 40 piece in one of these games that, and if they go on to win the title, obviously then he, he gets it. But I think you're right. I think that the value, pure value for me right now is on Jalen Brown because he he's he was good in game one. They got the victory there. Jason Tatum uh, was not great in that game. I know he get a du- got a double-double, but the, the field goal percentage wasn't there for him. He did have 13 assists. Game two, put up, you know, 25. So I think what he had, 29 in game two, did uh, Jason Tatum? Yeah, 28. Um, 28, but they didn't get the victory there. But I think the more consistent player has been Jalen Brown. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you have a feel on the Boston side for MVP? I mean, I would stick with Tatum. I do think that I do think I will be on some Tatum uh, player props for game three. And hopefully if, if he de- if he does go for like 30 plus in game three, mm-hmm. I think he would kind of seize control of it. Uh, okay. Just looking at the odds here, you know, Tatum's the first favorite for, for on, just on the Boston side, Tatum, then Brown, uh, then Horford as a way long shot. So, you know, I, I do think it would be Tatum or Brown, most likely Tatum at this point. But, yeah. you know, they only have one win under their belt. It's not like they have a situation like Steph where he was amazing in a game one loss and then mm-hmm. amazing again in a game two win. Really kind of uh, seize control of it, especially with like no one else playing that great uh, for Golden State yet. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. All right, before we continue the conversation here, let me tell you guys about win bet. Make sure to get down on wins bet. $50 win, $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus the ultimate fantasy football experience. If you bet $500 or more 
on sports or casino before July 31st, 2022. You get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Wynn Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries allowed. And also, party with DJ Diesel. All users can bet $100 on NBA or casino and be entered into a prize drawing to attend a DJ Diesel. That's Shaq, of course. Performance at Encore Beach Club at at night, as well as a meet and greet with DJ Diesel this summer. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started today. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there and I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper too by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleepers, that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can play, where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So all you got to do is on your mobile de- device, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, Zach, uh, some news outside of the NBA finals going around the league. Uh, we have the, let's start with uh, Utah, uh, Utah Jazz, I'm sorry, Quinn Snyder resigning from his job as the head coach as the U- uh, for the Utah Jazz after eight seasons, I believe. Um, I'm not really shocked to see this uh, kind of unfold for the Utah Jazz. It, it almost seemed like as we kind of, you know, saw the news that came out throughout the season about this Utah Jazz team, the friction between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Uh, we're not sure if Quinn Snyder was going to be there. I'm sorry. We we heard his name pop up in rumors when the Lakers job did become available after they let go of Frank Vogel. Um, but it kind of seems like there's more questions now with the Utah Jazz going into the offseason than we have answers. We saw that Donovan Mitchell was kind of unnerved, uh, quote unquote, about the uh, resignation of Quinn Snyder. What do you kind of think of this Utah uh, Utah Jazz team and what's going to try to transpire for them in the offseason here, Zach? Yeah, so I think uh, first off, with the Quinn Snyder situation, it seems like there was really nothing they, that Utah could do. Like, it, se- it seemed like it was his decision. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they definitely had kind of run their course, right? Like, how many years have they been down the exact same path of, like, first or second round of the playoffs? It's another big year for the Jazz, and they don't win their, the playoff series that they need to win to get over the hump as a franchise. So, I understand mixing it up, and I think it could honestly be healthy for them. I mean, they have had somewhat of a stale feeling to them as a team just based on, you know, how many years can you run it back without making the conference finals? Um, and we kind of knew what they're, we knew so much about them. It felt like, um, and they were back every year. Like I think a, a mix up could be good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like, you know, from the Quinn Snyder front side of things, I, I saw that he 
because he's stepping down and wasn't fired, he's still under contract for another year, so he can't go anywhere else this season. So it's not like you're losing him to a contender. We'll see who they're who they're placed with him with, what kind of mm-hmm. direction do they go in, um, and what kind of direction do they go in as a franchise, right? Like there is nothing really wrong with the I mean, I think there's two there's two minds about it. Like if going into next season, if the Jazz run it back, aren't they gonna be like the most underrated team in the West again and like probably win like 55 games or whatever and be just as good as they were. It's like, like, do you see that? Do you see those days as gone? Um, or do you think they would still be the same jazz team? And if that's the case, like, and Donovan does stick around, it obviously is under contract. Like, you know, why, why, why couldn't next year be the year with a new coach? Like why, why wouldn't you run it back one more year with a new coach? Uh, I, I, I feel like I would still, I would still get on this show and call them a post-hype sleeper again next year, like I've done every year for the last like four years. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just feel like one of two of Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert's not going to be on this roster next year. I, I just feel like from everything that we've kind of heard and and you can even see it in the game is that they're they're these just two guys here. They don't get along. It's not that they they don't get along. I mean, I just feel like they're there's been tension between the two, like going back to yeah. last season. Right. And I think we've heard the reports and all things, things about that, but I feel like for this roster is that they don't have a consistent guy outside of Donovan Mitchell on the scoring side. Right. We, I know they have Bogdanovich, uh, but when it comes to the playoffs time, I feel like they're, they really lack offensively um, because I feel like it's Donovan Mitchell and it's a bunch of role players. Right. I think Mike Conley has really run his course as as being that, you know, guy to kind of get you over that hump. I think he's more of a number four guy now. I think they need to get another superstar or a star player next to Donovan Mitchell if he decides to stay in Utah because I just feel like this roster is not good enough to even get to the Western Conference Finals anymore because, again, year after year, this roster does get older. Um, they just don't have the players. They've 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 had their courses of injuries too, right? But Donovan has been hurt, you know, Conley with the ankle and the hamstring has been hurt. You know, Donovan Mitchell with the ankle uh, and Rudy Gobert, he's, he's, a, he's a great rim protection, but he doesn't give you a lot on the offensive side. So for me, I feel like that they really need to revamp their roster or bring in another star next to Donovan Mitchell if you want to keep him in Utah. But I just feel like this team, there, there has to be significant changes coming. I think it started with the resignation of the head coach. Yeah, you bring in the head coach, but the roster is still the same. So like for me, it's a personnel thing. Uh, for this uh, for this Utah Jazz team, yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, I guess I would be slightly higher than them for next regular season, but agree with you. I don't think they would have any like realistic championship equity. I think the question that you have to ask yourself if you're the ownership of the Jazz is like, do is it is it even fu- like? I feel like there are a lot of teams who they can have a, a great positive season, super enjoyable, and you and you flame out in the playoffs. For Utah, that used to be awesome for them. And mm-hmm. remember, they had some great teams coming up. Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert started to develop. You know, Joe Ingles talking shit to Paul George. Like, they had fun moments where they were doing what they're doing now. It doesn't seem like it's, like, fun for them to keep – to go – to do this anymore, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's not like a Memphis or a Denver, even a Dallas, where you're patting yourself on the back for what you did. And you're not at the point where you're considering, you know, giving that away for the chance to build for something better in the future. But for Utah – they are faced with the possibility of, you know, running back another season. Probably, I think they would be a playoff lock type team, even with the with the roster holes that they have. Um, and, like, is it worth it to run that back again? Uh, what are you giving up? And then what, you know, 
how long do you think it would take to get back to a team that's as good as this team? I mean, you could if you trade Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, you're getting a huge offer in return. Sure. They they and he, you know, credit to him, he took his opportunity here, seized some control of this franchise. You know, he had that article with Woj. Um, so love to see that, and he's you know taking control of his future, which is awesome. Um, so we'll see what kind of happens with, with, with that situation if he does ask out. But, you know, maybe you get something back in a Donovan Mitchell trade. Maybe you traded Rudy, too, and, like, you're on the way quickly to a nice rebuild. But there's no guarantee you get back to this point. Like, there, there's – it's not – there are a lot of teams that would, that, would, that would give it all up to be the Jets, you know, to be a perennial top four seed and, you know, have a chance in the playoffs depending on which way the ball rolls. Like, so – that's just that's just the the risk of going down whatever path they go down. Is you have a young superstar, Donovan Mitchell, who you know maybe he's a top fifteen player, like, and you have a Rudy Gobert, another top thirty player, like, it's not it's not easy to give that up for the chance of getting back to something that might be better than that. It might not, but at the same time, it seems like there is going to be some change in Utah. So definitely a fascinating, probably one of the biggest teams to watch this offseason, right? In terms of like. Yep. What moves do they make? What art? What articles are coming out of there? What's the mm-hmm. vibe coming out of there? Who do they hire as coach? Like if they hire they if they hire a coach who's like, I, I've seen some names being thrown out that potentially could be a playoff type coach. Maybe that's a signal that they're both staying and they're going to try to run it back for another year. But we'll see. Definitely need to get more out of the other guys in a playoff. Like in the in the playoffs, you know, Don Mitchell was hurt. Like Mike Conley wasn't a wasn't a star player. They mm-hmm. they didn't have Ingles. You know, Bogdanovich was trying to like put them on his back a little bit. So. They need to, they need to play better if they do get back in, in that position again. Yeah, and I think that's that's the really the whole thing for the Utah Jazz is that again I think roster needs to be re- reconstructed. Um, you know, Mike Conley is just he's not. I mean, he's had a great career, but at this juncture of his career, he's just not that guy. Like he's not he can't be a number two guy for you. I don't you know possibly a number three, but I think they again they need to come out and get another star player next to uh, Donovan Mitchell, but. Again, we'll be covering the offseason news um, all throughout the offseason, obviously, with the, with the NBA draft coming up and, and as soon before the uh, free agency starts as well. But before we get over to uh, the Lakers coaching hire, let me tell you guys about Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. So what is this stuff? I just lost the ads in front of me. Oh, there we go. Um, It's with one delicious scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and aging. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SGP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And last but not least, let me tell you guys about IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data ha- to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why we at, I- at SGPN use IP Vanished VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, 
browsing history and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. IP Vanish is super easy to use, and all you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand brand 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off the yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. Then all you have to do is go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP to claim your 70% in savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. All right, uh, Zach, last order of business, my man. The Lakers make their coaching hire. I think it was over the weekend. Uh, Darvin Ham, the Milwaukee Bucks assistant coach, takes over as the Lakers head coach. Uh, big shoes to fill here, but I think this is a, a, a gentleman and a former player and a head coach now. I think I can get the job done here, but what are your initial thoughts when you heard about the hiring of Darvin Ham for the Lakers uh, head coaching job? Yeah, didn't know too much about him, to be honest. Um, but it sounds like you said, it sounds like he's someone that, uh, first of all, that LeBron and Anthony Davis seem like they're they're happy with the hire. Uh, so that's a good first start. And he seemed to win the press conference today, um, you know, with some good quotes. Um, hopefully it will be a guy that can, you know, I, I look at the the ideal coach as like a Ty Lue type coach, right? Uh, a guy who can, you know, be, who can, challenge LeBron in a way to, you know, get the most out of him, be someone that's respected, but also um, close with the locker room and can fit in on the type of like on, on a type of team that's led by a, a superstar, you know, in the caliber of LeBron James, both on and off the court. Um, so hopefully he's up to that challenge. I think Giannis has started to kind of become that type of player in the last couple of years, um, especially after winning a championship. And um, we saw him kind of come into his own as a superstar. Darvin Ham was part of that staff um, dealt with Giannis's rise. So, no stranger to a, you know, player of that caliber and building around them. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I think interesting today, he was talking a lot about Russell Westbrook and how he has to, or how he's looking forward to coaching Russell Westbrook. Like mm -hmm. it looks like the roster will probably be pretty consistent next year. I don't think they have much flexibility either way, but um, you bring back Russ. I mean, I still think that um, th this team needs to like get out to a good start and kind of stay in front of the, stay in front of the eight ball the entire season and instead of, uh, you know, getting, getting down early and like, you know, missing games with help, pardon me with health and like chasing, chasing all season. Um, so it looks like they, I needed, they didn't, they didn't have a big summer um, and kind of come out swinging next season if they have continuity. Um, but I like the hire for what I know about. I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully him doing more, more media and stuff like that this summer so we can get to know him a little, little bit better. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, yeah, they had the introductory press conference today. Um, you know, he talked a lot about Russell, West, Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry, uh, that he still has, uh, you know, uh, something left in the tank. But I think for him to come into this organization, he has to figure out the role for Russell Westbrook, right? I think that the offense just has to run through LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So it's going to be interesting to see um, the surrounding pieces that are going to be around uh, LeBron and AD. And again, um, it's big shoes of Phil. I think he's he's a, a well-deserving guy. The, the players respect him, like you talked about. Anthony Davis, LeBron are, are both obviously on board with the hiring and happy with the hire. So, you know, currently right now, I'm seeing the Lakers at 20 to 1 to win the title. I'm not, I'm not sure if that entices people or not, but 
Uh, when you always have a LeBron, healthy LeBron James on your roster, I think you always have a chance to win a, a NBA title. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how, you know, if there are going to be moves or what type of moves are going to be made by this Lakers organization. But uh, definitely ha- uh, uh, happy for Darvin Ham being the he- hired as a head coach for the Los Angeles uh, Lakers. One thing to check off their list off of the, uh, the offseason plans or whatever they are for them, but a uh, great coaching hire for them as well. Um, anything else, Zach, uh, over on the NBA, you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, my man? Uh, in terms of other news, I, I, there's an article on the athletic today from, uh, James Edwards and John Hollinger. I, I won't say mm-hmm. John Hollinger says, uh, I started talking to a few more people recently. Now I think it's more likely than not that Aiton is in a new destination next season, especially if the Suns can work out a sign and trade that brings back some value. Mm. Um, very interesting there. Like, you know, the, Best team in the NBA this year, predominant title favorite. You know, they obviously had that crazy loss against the Mavs. That was, you know, difficult to explain, but potentially looking at a major roster shakeup there, how quickly um, things can change in this league. So yeah. that'll be something to monitor this offseason with DeAndre Aiden potentially being another big young name that could move. And uh, John Hollander saying he thinks that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see again the the NBA offseason and the moves that just happened is just always so much fun to talk about and and um, I'm really looking forward to doing that with you and as well as the rest of the uh, NBA gambling podcast crew. Um, I'll, NBA <laughs> news can strike at any time from Boj or Shams, um, and, and again, it's a lot of fun to kind of dissect and get into. But I think uh, Zach, we're in for another wild uh, offseason here in the NBA as we get closer and closer to figuring out who is going to win the NBA championship between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. So uh, we'll have shows obviously all throughout the offseason on the NBA gambling pod, just because the season's over or will be over. doesn't mean that we won't be here. Uh, Zach, anything else, man, before we get out of here? Um, and let the people know where, uh, where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah. Get me on Twitter at NBA Zach B have a feeling that, Three game three or four is going to be an instant classic. Uh, I feel like we're building towards that with kind of the the, the seesaw of game one and two. So Wednesday and Friday, yep. Um, you know, you only have that one day off as Thursday, so lots of basketball the rest of this week. Just got to get through tomorrow, and then uh, this is series is just awesome. I mean, the excitement for that that first game was just ridiculous, and then the excitement building all weekend for game two, and then. The, both just the Warriors are really fun to watch. Celtics are fun to watch. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. So, yep. hundred percent. We'll be here all throughout the week, obviously covering games three and game four um, for the NBA finals. And again, like I said, anything happening in the NBA will be here for as well. Zach, thank you so much for joining me, my man. We will be back next week in some form or fashion uh, between uh, the NBA gambling podcast crew covering the NBA finals and again, NBA draft as well next week. So we'll uh, get into that as well. Uh, good luck with your bets this week. Look out for the NBA gambling podcast on Wednesday. We'll be talking game three picks. Uh, Zach, why don't I get your uh, game three pick before we get out of here, man? Boston. Was it three and a half? Yeah. Boston three and a half right now. Yeah. Boston three and a half. And um going to wait for this prop menu to come out and then uh, I'll be in the Slack channel with some uh, Jason Tatum plays. I think it's going to be a an opportunity for him to get a ton of shots and go off in game three. All right, there you go. You heard it first. Zach's on the Boston Celtics minus three and a half for game three. Uh, good luck with your bets this week. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, give it, give it, give it the ball because I'm going to